Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, my name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong and welcome to this episode of MedHeads. And we continue our series on human need with Dr. Andrew Rees. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Hello, Fergal. Thank you for having me back. Uh, it's great to hear you again and to see you again. So talk us through the case vignette that we were working on in the last episode. So we're talking about a, an Aboriginal gentleman who is uh, trying to deal with his alcohol use disorder. Um, he's got pretty significant uh, psychosocial needs. Uh, it's not entirely clear to us yet, I think, whether or not he's got access to uh, sustenance and uh, a safe place to be. But uh, mostly he's got uh, intergenerational trauma. He's uh, a member of the stolen generation. Uh, he has no access to his country. Uh, he has no access to his people, his language, his culture. Uh, mm. And he's really quite adrift, I think. But yeah. we've yet to explore that. Yeah. So as I've said before, this is not an atypical presentation, a highly complex patient mm. with an alcohol use disorder that really is the top of the, uh, the tip of the iceberg below which we see all of this trauma and displacement. Now, we were working our way through Max Neef's um, basic needs. So just a very quick recap of the spew-craft mnemonic that lists the 10 needs. If you want to just list those for us. Certainly, sustenance, protection, engagement, wisdom, status, creativity, rest, affection, freedom, and transcendence. Okay, now we've, we kind of did the first half of that, the spews bit, in a previous episode. So I thought today we'd focus on the craft. So creativity, rest, affection, freedom, and transcendence. And how would each of those elements apply to this patient that we're, we're looking after? So first of all, creativity. How does creativity well, impact upon his life? Well, creativity has been identified as a basic human need. Yeah. Um, we, as fairly privileged people, I suppose, have ample opportunity to do that, don't we? Um, right now I'm sitting in a room surrounded by my musical instruments uh, and you're engaging in the creation of uh, Medheads, which is going to be beneficial to a number of people I trust. And, and so that that's really important to both of us uh, and we get to enjoy that and we get the rewards of doing that. Um, for this man, well, we need to ask him what's important to him. And when we're looking at all of these needs, they all intermesh. They all bounce off each other. They're all yeah. being uh, interacting. They all interact one with another as, as the person's uh, approaching this thing. So, uh, you know, his creativity might be related to him getting some support from a, a local Aboriginal a group and finding his way to be in contact with his mob. Uh, mm -hmm. to engage, for example, in painting or music mm -hmm. or dance yeah. and so on. Um, yeah. Some yarning. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. So ex very explain valuable. what yarning is to us. Yeah, so yarning is basically it's storytelling. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Yarning can relate to Dreamtime. Uh, behind me on the wall, you'll see Titalik, uh, the frog, who yeah. uh, the greedy fellow who drank all the water and the various animals tried to make him laugh. Um, and uh, eventually the eel, which you see in the bottom corner, just over my shoulder, um, uh, tried to dance but ended up wrapping himself in a knot and Titalik laughed so much that he vomited up all the water and returned it. And the, the tale is about not being selfish and mm -hmm. uh, various other matters. Uh, far too deep for me to go into here, but very important to quite a number of uh, tribal groups around Australia. Yeah. So yarning is part of tribe engagement, mob communication. And for this gentleman, it may actually be part of his need for creativity, is the, the ability to enjoy a story or, or even tell a story or, or his story. That would be part of Indeed. the... Indeed. That, in fact, could be part of his therapeutic journey, couldn't it? In, indeed, and his wisdom, mm. of course. Yes. And his transcendence. So transcendence is this idea of, well, it could include passing on to the next generation, mm -hmm. leaving a legacy. Yes. So then if he has a vision in his life of being an uncle, mm -hmm. that is a respected elder in the, the Aboriginal community, um, he will be taking the young ones aside and teaching them the important stories of culture and helping them to have wisdom and understanding and knowledge of who they are and where they sit and so right. on. And so suddenly it becomes a great boon, a great boost to him and helps him, I trust, on his therapeutic mm. journey. So I've heard you speak in other fora about dreams and you have a quotation about dreams, which I'm not going to try and quote. What's, what, what do you say about dreams? Well, the idea is that it's good to dream. Uh, obviously, we dream in our sleep, but... It's really about a vision of uh, how things might be. Um, yeah. What is the ideal? What is our dream scenario? What will yeah. our life look like when all of this is fixed? Yeah. Um, and uh, it can be very beneficial to get a patient to narrate in detail mm. what things will look like when it's better. Yeah. If you don't have so dreams... So a quote... Sorry, go on. <laughs> you tell us the so, so the quote is, if you don't have a dream, how will you know that your dream has come true? Yeah, that's so true. So, I mean, I think in this context, I think having a dream is part of that transcendence. Would you not agree? Well, I think it's a component uh, yeah. because you've got to have some sort of picture <clears throat> of uh, where you're going to be, what you're going to do. Uh, mm. But it could also, the, your dream future could be about uh, your engagement you know i will be employed okay what will it look like when you have a job you know it's not just enough to say i will be employed well i want to be a truck driver's offsider and how will that look well how will it start when you start the day well i'll go and get myself ready and i'll shave and i'll put my uniform on and you know and and then the patient is building step by step exactly what their vision is for what their ideal life will be and then they know where they're going to work or what they're going to work toward. Yeah. But the, the dream could also be about identity and you know that, that identity as you say could be something like I want to be a respected elder, I want to be able to pass on my experience, my experiential wisdom which goes back to wisdom you know I mean w wisdom is not just book work is it you know wisdom is, hmm. is life experience isn't it? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's the can. It's the knowing. It's yeah. the even little bits like what's your attitude as you approach a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about creativity, the I, and we've also talked about T for transcendence. And as you say, you know, the, all of these elements intermingle, so it's difficult to tease them out, you know, completely. But this, the R in spewcraft is, is rest. So let's talk about how rest impacts or the lack of rest impacts upon this gentleman. Well, the lack of rest, of course, could mean a lack of sleep, and that's obviously going to really yeah. negatively affect cognition yeah. uh, and, and negatively affect mood. But yeah. it, it also can be that we need to have time to just pull aside from whatever is pressing upon us yeah. and just have a think about stuff and just yeah. have a little bit of joy in our lives, engage in a bit of play, all of those sorts of things. Yeah. They're, they're all they're very important. So I think of solace for the soul and the relief of suffering when I think of rest in a, in a bigger, more holistic view. I don't believe, as you say, you know, rest is sleep, but it's also, I suppose, a freedom from restlessness, which is much, mm. much bigger than that. And, I, and, you know, in the context of someone who's going through disconnection from his tribe and, and trauma, I can only imagine just how much restlessness he has, this, this, this constant mm. emptiness and this search for fulfillment. Well, that's right. And we also talk about uh, you know, rest and being the opposite of restlessness, but I also think it's a, a removal of load. You know, if we think of a bridge, mm. you put a truck on the bridge and the bridge is not capable of taking anything over 3.5 tonnes, you're going to break the bridge with your B-double, with yeah. your huge semi-trailer. Um, and so you, giving people rest can be things like, well, the semi-trailers in their life might need to go down a different road, or maybe the bridge needs to be bolstered, or maybe there are other techniques for dealing with the bridge. You know, when they move a big building across the bridge, they can actually unload each individual uh, set of axles as the, as the truck goes over. So there's that simile, that metaphor, I suppose, uh, in people's lives, you know, what strategies do they have for dealing with stress? Uh, you know, the company of others um, doing some physical exercise and burning off that ex mm -hmm. excess uh, adrenaline or just stepping aside from things for a minute, just, you know, things as simple as uh, just having a nap, having a sit, going and singing a favourite song, whatever. So I, what I'm hearing is that rest is not necessarily a passive process. It can be an active process whereby we seek actively to offload de-stress and connect with others in a more meaningful way, you know, maybe engage in some meditation or you Indeed. Know, group therapy. Indeed. All yeah. of those things, I think, are true. And it, it is all about that enmeshment. Mm. So then we have A for affection. What do you mean mm. by affection? Or rather, what do you understand by affection? Well, for some people, the idea of affection seems perhaps a bit limited to something akin to physical lovemaking or an, some kind of intimate relationship. But the affection can be things like, well, brotherly love, the companionship of good friends, um, you know, your brothers and sisters, your family about you, uh, just decent mates who tell you that 
you know, you're okay. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that kind regard of our tribe, isn't it? Mm. Oh, I yeah. think so. Yeah. And I suppose if we're talking about affection, and you've, you've identified that there are multiple uh, types of love, you know, I mean, you know, there was this Greek concept of, you know, the four kinds of love, which were philos, mm. agape, eros, and storge. And I suppose philos was brotherly love, agape was self-sacrificing love, uh, eros was, you know, sexual love, and storge was you know, kind regard or, you know, the kind of affection that you would have for a distant relative. You know, and I mm. suppose storge is the kind of, what I view as the kind of over, overarching concern for one's man, for one's tribe, one's mankind, you know, you know, and I suppose the earth really, if you can extend it to that, to that point, to what extent do you think that these types of love need to be involved with this patient or at least introduced to this patient? Well, I think, first of all, I need to ask, not tell. Mm -hmm. I need to ask and listen. And the yeah. patient will make clear to me what he treasures yeah. uh, and what's missing in his life. So if, for example, it's about country, he'll tell me. If it's mm -hmm. about culture, you know, if he has this desire to engender a love relationship, a loving relationship with his culture and his people, if he then is the respected elder, you know, beloved of the young ones who look at him and, you know, this uncle, he knows everything. Well, then that also extends to his uh, abilities in transcendence and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have F for freedom. What do you mm. mean by freedom? Well, freedom's a difficult one, isn't it? Because many people who struggle with these matters objectively, it would be easy enough to say that they have no freedom. Mm. They have little or no resources um, and uh, they're somewhat stuck. But they do have some freedoms and their freedoms can be a freedom to grow as an individual. They have some freedom of choice. They can either go along with stuff or not. You know, when we looking at uh, the situation of somebody who is driven to consume substances. And we look then at those times of exception when they actually find that they don't have to consume a substance. And we build on that because we're looking at the fact that they have a freedom of choice. Yeah. Whilst yeah. they might feel they must drink, they actually find there are times when they don't have to. Yeah, I, I often think about choice points when we're talking about you know, chronic pain or addiction, I, you know, I, I think as hard as it might be and as difficult as it might seem to think of these choice points, we, we are met with choice points in life. So, you know, do we or don't we eat the sugary drink that's going to put on weight, that's going to inflame us, that's going to cause us more point? Do we or don't we take the heroin that, we, that we're thinking about because we've been triggered by an old memory or, or in a familiar place? Do we or don't we reach for the bottle when we when we're feeling stressed? Uh, you know, but the, again, those choice points are closely associated in my mind with one's resilience. So I see resilience as one of the ways of unlocking the freedom to choose. Because you know, when we are when we don't have resilience, then we don't perceive these triggers as choice points. But really, we see them as natural consequences. Rather, we see addictions 
as the natural consequence of triggers, when in fact that trigger is a choice point. So when you know, you know that that for me that is a degree of freedom when I when I look at people with with addiction and also chronic pain. Well, we can think of a rather extreme example, which is that of Viktor Frankl, the mm. uh, Jewish gentleman, a psychiatrist yeah. imprisoned in a concentration camp, yeah. who, given the opportunity of escaping or providing care to others, actually felt really bad at the idea of escaping from the prison camp yeah. and turned around and actually looked after his patients and yeah. immediately felt uh, a loss of anxiety uh, because he had made his choice true to his values. Yes, and, and he had the, he had that freedom. So, notwithstanding the, the, the surrounding trauma and you know the the, mm. the constraints within which he was living, he had that freedom of choice which he chose to exercise, which I suppose mm. then links into transcendence. You know, because we're talking about the choice for self sacrifice or not. You know, I, I, so again, this is another example Absolutely. of how everything is just intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. So. Are there any final comments that you would like to make about hierarchies of need or the list of needs as they apply to this case vignette, Andrew? I think, first of all, it's our job to listen and not to tell, not to mm -hmm. try and use our wisdom upon a patient. Mm -hmm. But it's useful to inquire and it's useful to just have these thoughts in the back of the head uh, as we go through a therapeutic session with a patient and just chipping away here and there trying to clarify how they're being met and as they build their picture and as we ask questions to help them build their picture of this ideal life just to ensure that wherever possible those things come out and uh, and they can be explored and dealt with. Dr Andrew Rees Thank you very much for your pearls of wisdom, and I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Phil. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.